On today's episode of Kick Some Glass, we break down one woman's job search success story, why some women are lying about their salary, and common cover letter FAQs. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Tammy. Long time no chat. I know. <laughs> How has your summer been, stranger? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a whirlwind for sure. Um, so I started a new job back in July, and I must say, <laughs> I am very happy with my career move. Um, so I'm working for a company now, Offshore Recruiting Services. Um, so we do a lot of uh, marine-based recruitment. So as you can imagine, I am flat out with that. We have mm-hmm. numerous we have numerous projects, numerous contracts that we're working on. <laughs> I was actually stuck in a conference call at my office before we recorded this podcast. So I was uh, I was a bit worried that I wasn't going to make it home in time. But uh, other than that, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but you did, and then you got way laid by Michael. <laughs> I know, right? We're just busy people. <laughs> we are, we are, which is good. It would yeah. not be good the other way. I'd rather it this way than not busy enough. Oh my gosh, yes. And politically, I'm also very, very busy because I'm sure as our listeners can remember, uh, back in April and May, I was all tied up with um, the PC leadership race here provincially. And uh, it just so happens that Chess, he's uh, running in a by-election now in Windsor Lake. So all of my spare time has been spent at headquarters and trying to get him elected. So if anybody here is listening from Windsor Lake, make sure you vote Chess Crosby on September 20th. (laughs) Oh, Oh my goodness. So this is crunch time. You only have a month? Wow. Well, I mean, the writ dropped uh, last week, so it's just a little over three and a half weeks that we have to get ready. So, yeah, it's a crazy, crazy time in Newfoundland politics. But when is it not? <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah. All right. So I will. I guess I'll see you again in October. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I'll be back to life then. So. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I am. Um... It's not, I know we, we've sort of neglected the podcast a little bit, but it's not for lack of trying. We just seem to not have been able to schedule a time where we're both free. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause I am, I have been like moving over the last month, pretty much all of August. I have been like piecemeal moving to a new apartment, which is fantastic. I love it. Um, It's not, but it's still not completely done I don't know what I've been doing all month but I still have like I have my my office and my bedroom pretty well set up but I have like no living room furniture I have nothing to sit on um (laughs) so um so I'm still picking away at that but and like for the most part I have everything that I need to to survive right like I have a coffee maker I have a bed I have a desk that's no (laughs) that's the that's that's my needs taken care of um (laughs) right there and then um because it's summertime, I've just been running all the time, um, racing and training and training mostly for the Cape to Cabot. So I will be in October to see you in person. Oh my, you are, I must say, <laughs> you're one of a kind. I must say, I envy you for being able to run the Cape to Cabot. 
Well, I haven't run it yet, so we'll see if I am able. I have the willpower to run it, I should say. Okay, <laughs> yes. Well, I do have the desire to and the stubbornness to finish, um, which is people keep telling me, you know, because I've done a couple races so far this year that have gone really well. Like, I've gotten some personal bests. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know. I've never run this fast before uh, in races. I, just, I don't, I honestly have no idea why that's happening all of a sudden, but it's good. Um, so I keep asking people for, you know, tips on how to set a goal time for Cape to cap it. And they're like, Oh no, just be happy. Finish. Just be happy. Finish. <laughs> and why well, I understand why they're saying that because it is such an insanely difficult race. I also, like, that's not in my personality. I don't work that way. I can't just be like, oh, just get it done. Like, no, I need, <laughs> I need like a standard. I need, I need something to aim for. I need a goal. I need a target. Um, <laughs> very sort of driven that way. So, uh, so I don't know, but um, yeah, I will definitely finish it. That's for sure. And then I will be eating all of the Towtons and nachos and St. John's <laughs> and drinking my face off, probably. Yeah, we'll, um, have to, we'll have to meet up for another drink and another meal. <laughs> yes, yes. After the race. After the race. Yes, yes. <laughs> so are you going to be here for the Growlers Home Opener? Yes, I am. That is the so plan. Exciting. I'm going to, so my plan is to fly in on the Thursday so I can see the Home Opener. and. Um, yeah, so that's exciting. I'm sure it's going to be a really fun time, right? Like oh hockey gosh, returning yes. to Newfoundland. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, any other any other news? It's not really. <laughs> I've just been enjoying the summer. I mean, indulging or sorry, overindulging in food and drink the whole summer. Um, I earlier this month, I just spent a week down on George Street for George Street Fest. So, um, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, I, I haven't had vacation time, but I've been enjoying my summer. That's for sure. Oh, good. You know, that is still on my bucket list. I am embarrassed to say I have never been to George Street Fest. It's a good time. It's a it's a yeah. very good time. I, know. <laughs> I would recommend I would... it to anybody if you like crowds. <laughs> if you don't like crowds, don't go there. But uh, oh. if you like drinking and you like crowds, certainly worth your while to go. Oh, well, I'm not really much of a crowd fan, but I think <laughs> I would. I think I would suck it up for like one night anyway, just to get the George Street experience. experience yeah, yeah. And it would also be nice to finally visit Newfoundland when, you know, the weather is half decent instead of May and October. <laughs> yeah, I must say the weather's been fantastic here. I, it was almost unbearable. And I don't mean to say that because, I mean, obviously, the, like the warm weather is nice, but it was borderline unbearable in like the beginning of July and early August. It was just like 35 and 36 degrees of the humidity. And you know what? I'm not made for that. Today, it's perfect outside. It's like 25 degrees, 27 with the humidity. I can bear this. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's still, it's hot here Like in Halifax all summer. It's been hot. It's been muggy. Uh, and I am not complaining about it. I love the heat, but it has definitely been, been way hotter than I ever remember it being when I grew up here. Yeah. Uh, like, and people are saying like, this is not, this is not normal. <laughs> this is just, this is, this is an anomaly. So it's uh, like there's no there's no air conditioners to be found in this city anymore. I think like they're completely sold out everywhere at this point. It's just been it's just been that hot. And people in Halifax, they didn't build houses with central air. It's just not something that's done here because it doesn't ever get this hot. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. So it's it's 
it takes a bit to to adapt to. Okay, so I guess we should move move along then and get to like the really important stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh yes so today I wanted to talk about so this was an article I came across well a couple weeks ago now I think I dug this up it actually I subscribed to a few different like news services and they send me a bunch of different articles that meet like my parameters and my preferences um and this one came across and I read it and I was completely like I was like this is something we need to talk about on the podcast (laughs) because it is all about a woman in tech who is going through a career transition and she used some pretty genius strategies uh, to get herself seven job offers seven job offers in two months and the reason I liked this article so much is because a lot of what she did is not completely new uh, it's not completely new to me, and it's probably not completely new to other job seekers, but I think it's good as an example of if you do these uncomfortable things, if you actually actually do these things that are re- recommended, it can work out for you. So I thought we might um, I thought we might go through these, and I'm going to include the link to the article in the show notes so you can read. The, it's a quite a long article. She really details everything that she did. Uh, so if you want to actually read it for yourself, uh, go, go. I totally recommend it. So just check out the show notes. I'll put the link there. Um, her name is Mariah. Ramim, Melissa, do you want to try? <laughs> Raman? No, it's not Raman. Rahaman? Rahaman. 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 Okay. So, sorry. I'm sorry, Mariah. We've probably just butchered your last name. Um, she's a software engineer, but she used to be a product manager. So it's a fairly significant little career transition that she pulled off for herself. So the first thing that she did was she wasn't relying on job ads alone, Um, which (laughs) I find this so painful sometimes, Melissa. Like, (laughs) I don't know how many times we have to tell people this. Like, you can't just apply for jobs that are posted. You can't just go to Indeed or to Monster or Kijiji or Facebook or wherever you're finding your job ads and use that as 100% of your job search strategy. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. And you need to do more. And as much as it really can suck and it's really uncomfortable to reach out to someone and send a cold email or reach out to someone on LinkedIn and send them a message or call somebody or walk up to somebody at a networking event and introduce yourself as much as that is uncomfortable and sucks a lot. And I get it because I am one of those people that doesn't enjoy that, you know, that part very much either. That is what is going to work. So if you really want to find a new job, especially if you're making a career transition, you need to not just be sitting in front of your computer in your comfort zone, firing off resumes, crossing your fingers and hoping that your your dream job is magically just going to come through that way. It just doesn't 
work. And I know we've talked about this before on the podcast too, that I think the number of available jobs versus the number of posted jobs, there is a huge discrepancy there. I think it is, it's a crazy number. It's like 60 to 70% of all available positions are never posted. So you are cutting yourself off from all of those opportunities if all you're doing is relying on job ads. Yeah, I can't, I can't stress that enough. I mean, the job that I'm currently in now, I got it directly from networking. It wasn't, it by no means was it posted. It was more so um, my current boss, he met me and I met him at a networking event and we talked and I interviewed for one position. And unfortunately I wasn't successful in getting that, but I mean, that's fine. I mean, you live and you learn. But then a month later he emailed me and said, you know what? Like, I think we do need you here. Do you want to come down for a second interview? And that's how I got it. It was directly from networking. Yeah, absolutely. I know I, I always feel like I rant about this when it when it comes up, but I think that's just because I I get so much pushback from people who are, you know, they're like, well, no, just make help me make my resume so that it gets through the tracking system so I can get an interview and, and once I get in front of somebody, then I can make a positive impression. And Yes, once you get in front of somebody, it is a lot easier to make a positive impression, to make an impact with them sometimes. For some people, that is easier. But you need to start doing that anyway, even if, you know, they haven't posted the job, even if even if you don't even know if they're hiring, you still need to try and get yourself in front of that person to make that positive impression. The second thing she did was she optimized LinkedIn. <laughs> Another one of my... Another one of my rant points. Oh my goodness. LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. It's so important. Um, Although I will say, I feel like, I'm sure this is not probably not because I go on and on about LinkedIn all the time, but I'm starting to see the shift. I'm starting to hear from clients or job candidates who come to me and say, help me get noticed on LinkedIn more. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so just the fact that people are, are starting to realize that this is a way that you can get jobs, that this is a great networking tool, that this is a great, um, you know, career advancement tool is, is really encouraging. And this girl, she, you know, she is proof that this can work, that if you use keywords in LinkedIn, if you max out your summary section, uh, you can apply for jobs on LinkedIn directly with your profile. So your profile can act as your resume on LinkedIn for jobs that are posted on LinkedIn. Like how easy is that? So just make sure that your profile is up to date, that you're using keywords, um, that you're maxing out your summary section, that you're really selling yourself on there and you are really positioning yourself for the job that you want on LinkedIn. It's sort of like a sales page. So when someone stumbles across your LinkedIn profile, you want to be selling them on what you have to deliver. Uh, LinkedIn is super powerful. Are you, you, do you use LinkedIn much, Melissa, like in a professional capacity? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, so I did it in my old job when I was with Valet, just because where it was um, a corporate policy that we didn't use LinkedIn and we didn't use social networking. But now in my current job, it's a smaller it's a smaller company and it's it's a private company, a small small business. Um, I find I'm using LinkedIn all the time. I'm always searching up people on LinkedIn, whether I'm going to update their employee profiles or you know I'm trying to find a ship's cook to go on a vessel tomorrow and I need someone who's in St. John's that isn't currently working. I am always, always, always using it. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so when you're searching for people, like if they don't have the right keywords, like they're not showing up in the results for you. Oh, no, not at all. And I mean, I don't have time to go and dig through LinkedIn. That's the thing. Like I'm going and I'm looking. And usually when I'm looking on looking on LinkedIn, it means that I need somebody now. So I don't have time to sift through five and six pages of results. I'm going for the top people that I see. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So if you want to show up on those first couple pages, you need to make sure that your LinkedIn is, is optimized and it's complete. Uh, okay, so the third thing she did was accept all meetings with recruiters. I figured Melissa would like this one. <laughs> <laughs> I do um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so what she was saying is she accepted all meetings with recruiters, even if they approached her with a job that she didn't think she would want. And her reasoning for this, which I think is brilliant and completely agree with, is that one, the recruiter might have other roles that they're searching for that she may like more or maybe more interested in. Or two, just because the recruiter reached out and said, hey, we're hiring for uh, uh, this role. Um, and she was thinking, well, that's not really my style, but I'll talk to you anyway. She would sometimes find that even though the title or the position title of that role didn't appeal to her, when she got into the conversation, she learned that the role was actually something much different and was something that she was interested in. So that makes total sense, right? To make sure that you are, that you are, sorry, I've had dings going on everywhere and I thought I had everything silenced. I have, <laughs> I know I have, Colin is going to kill me. Um, <laughs> I have like, I have the alerts turned off. I don't understand. And I know this is a this is a really unprofessional sidebar to be having right now, but the it says do not disturb on my phone. I don't know why the sound is still coming through, and for some reason the, my alarms never go off. So I'm pretty annoyed right now. Like the, my alarm to wake up in the morning hasn't gone off in like three days properly, and uh, now I can't get the dings to turn off. I don't. <laughs> Sounds understand. like you need um, this is a new phone. Oh gosh! Oh, oh it's not a good phone. no! Ugh. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, sorry. So, um, this is exactly what you wouldn't want to do if you were talking to a recruiter. Have all your like dings and blings going on in the background. <laughs> um. Oh gosh. Yes. So I'll turn it over to you, Melissa. So yeah. So take meetings with recruiters, right? Because you never really know what they're recruiting for, even if the position title might not immediately appeal to you. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that happens all the time in my line of work. So I could say, so again, going back to the Marine-based uh, mm-hmm. uh, Marine positions that I recruit for. So I could be looking for someone who is a ship's cook. I'm just saying this now because I need a lot of ship's cooks. If you're a ship's cook, <laughs> send me your resume, please, because I need you. Um, but oftentimes, the ship's cooks, they have... Um, certain certifications and other qualifications that say they can work as a deckhand. Again, always looking for deckhands. So you know what? Might not be able to get you on as a ship's cooks, but why don't you go and do a 28-day hitch as a deckhand, and then we'll go from there. And again, like, you never know, like, what kind of connections you're going to make when you're in with a recruiter. So by all means, like, you're silly not to go and take a meeting with a recruiter. Yeah, absolutely. And I find sometimes, too, and this had, um, this really is like not a slight against HR or recruiters at, in the, in the slightest, um, because I think sometimes they will get position titles from 
you know, the primary stakeholder or the the, the manager. Yeah, from your hiring manager. From the hiring manager, but the, the position title actually has nothing to do or is it's completely misleading based on what the job they they're actually hiring for. So sometimes or, you know, like they just there's like sort of a mismatch or a miscommunication there. So once you get sort of get in and you start talking about the roles, sometimes it has nothing to do like it doesn't the position title doesn't adequately reflect the actual scope of responsibility. So, I mean, sometimes this this happens a lot in sales where maybe someone's being hired as a sales manager, but they don't actually manage anybody. They're just an individual contributor or vice versa. They'll be hired as, you know, someone's looking to fill like an account executive role, which sounds like that would be more of just you're an individual contributor looking after, you know, a, a book of sales or a book of business. But sometimes that actually means you're overseeing three staff. Um, so there there can be some, a bit of a, you don't always have the full picture based on job title alone. And I, I'm a big believer in there is no wasted conversations when you're networking, right? No, not at all. Which brings me to number four, uh, <laughs> LinkedIn networking was something else this girl did to successfully position herself for a career change. Uh, she was saying that she searched the company's employee employee list. So she would go to a company she wanted to work for. She would search through their employee list and look for anyone with like recruiter or talent acquisition or engineering manager or anything else where someone might be in a position to hire her. Uh, this is something I talk to people about all the time, because when I tell people, you know, who are looking for more exposure on LinkedIn, they're like, how do I get more? How do I get noticed more? How do I get people to my profile? How do I um, show up in search results more? Well, one of the ways you do that is to have a bigger network, have um, more ways of connecting with people. You reach a larger audience if you connect with more people. That's just sort of how LinkedIn works. So then who do you connect with to expand your network, these people, you go to companies where you want to work and you connect with the recruiters, the talent acquisition managers, the HR managers, the any the managers in the department you would work with. I even recommend connecting with the colleagues, people who would be potential work colleagues there um, because they may be able to refer you into a role. Um, but that's how you do it. Those are the people you want to connect with on LinkedIn. Okay, and then the last one that we're going to cover, she gives a few more steps um, in the article. So like I said, I encourage you to go go look at her full article. We're just sort of summing it up here. Um, but this was my favorite, my favorite, favorite one. Uh, she talks about just being persistent. And in her article, which this is the part that impressed me the most, she talks about being rejected. She talks about receiving zero response to outreach, but she talks about it in a way that she basically expected it, right? Like she talks about it in a way like, well, that's fine. I will just keep going. And she sticks to the plan. She didn't let like one LinkedIn message that got no response let, you know, she didn't take that as a sign as, oh, my job search plan is ineffective. This is never going to work. I give up. I'm going back to monster now. Um, she just kept going. She just kept working the plan until it worked for her. And that is something I find 
can be a huge challenge for people because it's so uncomfortable to do this, right? To send those cold messages, to walk up in networking events and shake somebody's hand that if it doesn't go well on the first couple tries, you want to give up, right? Like why you're like, this is what's really hard for me to do. I didn't get the design. Yeah, I don't, I didn't want to do this. It didn't work. I'm not going to keep putting myself out there. I'm not going to keep doing it. Um, but she, she did, um, I want to, oh yeah, and we have a, I have a quote here that I'm going to read right from her article, because I think that might help um, what I'm trying to say a little bit better, <laughs> just to use her words. Um, so she she talks about sending emails to potential recruiters or hiring managers to get a connection. And here's what she said. Often after sending an email, I got no response. I would follow up two to three business days later with some version of just want to make sure you got my message below. Usually still no response. So I found somebody else with one company that I really loved. I spent weeks emailing different people one by one with no response. Finally, one of them forwarded my email to another recruiter I hadn't contacted who then replied saying they would love to schedule a phone call. Did they all talk to each other about this crazy person who sent them all the same email and then file a restraining order? Nope. In fact, the first person I had emailed who had never replied was one of my interviewers at my onsite. They ultimately offered me a job. That is like the most inspiring thing I've ever read for job searchers. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, no, right? I mean, like the thing is like recruiters are busy and I will wholeheartedly admit Oftentimes I do miss resumes and like, there's nothing I can do about that. It's just, it's just how it works. Like everybody's busy and it's how it works. So, I mean, if you send me a follow-up response within two to three business days, you know, like don't, don't overdo it. Don't email consistently, 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 but a short follow-up message, that's fine. Cause guess what? It shows that you're interested in the company. It shows that you're interested in the job and I will go and take a look at your, at your, um, at your resume then. But yeah. I, mean, don't, I mean, then I get people who call me like 20 times in a day. When <laughs> I haven't, haven't reviewed their resume yet. So don't do that. Don't do that. Nobody likes that. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. Please avoid that. But I did like that. Um, you know, she was saying that she would move on, right? Like she would like, I would send them a message. If I didn't get a response, I would email them again two to three days later. If I still got nothing, I'd move on to the next person. Yeah. And, that's and she totally just kept acceptable. going. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the other reason I liked this so much is because sometimes I hear from clients that they're worried about, they're worried about contacting multiple people at the same company. They're worried about sending that follow-up. They don't want to seem desperate or they don't want to seem um, crazy. Um, <laughs> but I love this because she's saying she didn't. They the, This company didn't think she was crazy, even though she like, basically emailed half of, the, half of all of the employees who worked there, but they, they still offered her a job. So you're, you are more susceptible to not succeeding, I guess, is if you underwork the strategy than if you overwork it. And I think for women, especially like, obviously, Melissa, like you said, don't be like calling, don't be calling them 20 <laughs> times a day. But I have found like with a lot of women, especially we're more apt to err on the safe side and like let weeks go by before or or we won't reach out at all or you know what I mean we're, women tend to be a little bit more timid about putting themselves out there they're 
tend to be less aggressive. Um, so I think maybe do a little bit more than you think is okay. Do a little bit more than you think might be acceptable. Um, and just, just keep going, just keep working your way through. And if you don't get a response from that company, move on to the next company and start reaching out to people there. Yeah. Step outside your comfort zone. Exactly. Right, Melissa, I am so stoked about this section. We're talking about um, women in the news. And um, <laughs> this article I came across, I'm, I think this might have even come across my Facebook feed. I don't know where I read this, but it like made me want to slam my like head against my desk like <laughs> never before I was just so like uh, <laughs> it was just unbelievable to me yeah yep. no, right. myself and my coworker read it at work and we were just like what in the frig is going on here <laughs> I know. Right, so yeah so to fill you in on what we're talking about um there is an article, there's research done. I shouldn't just say that like someone didn't just make this up. They actually did a study on this where they looked at what people reported their income to be to the IRS, right? So that's like the accurate income data. And then they asked people what they made. And in relationships, heterosexual relationships, I should say, so man and a woman, in relationships where the woman made more money than the man, the woman would often say she made less and the man would say he made more. Now, I'm not surprised that men would inflate what they make, like how much money they make. I'll, you know, like I'm, that doesn't surprise me that men would, you know, say, oh, no, I make more than that. But what did shock me was that women who made more money would like downplay what they made to, I guess, protect their man from feeling like he wasn't a provider uh, <laughs> um what like don't don't play into your partner it's like fragile masculinity girls yeah, don't, do don't do it it's not worth it why would you like sell yourself low oh my gosh i i just what why why <laughs> like i Oh my goodness. I don't, and it's, oh, uh, I don't even know what to say because I do see, I see women downplay themselves in all kinds of different ways, all over the place, all the time. But this one really sort of takes the cake for me because you're earning we fight so hard to earn what we earn in the first place, right? When you were usually not paid equal to begin with we have to overcome a lot of you know just in, like just inherent sexism in in the world and especially in the workplace where it's very difficult for a lot of women to move up in the ranks and to earn their space at the table and to be taken seriously and to be not looked at as like a fragile woman and to be looked at it women have to work a little bit harder than men to be seen as a leader, to be seen as worthy of their position of power. So you have to work so hard to earn what you earn in the first place. And then once you get that, you you don't want to shout it from the rooftops because 
the person you're with might feel like less of a man. Uh, I know it's sad. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, I just, it, it is, it's really sad. And I think, I don't, I don't know. Like, and I do, I know people, I know couples where the woman makes more money. Um, and I'm not saying that that needs to be broadcast necessarily. You don't need to walk, you be walking around being like, yeah, I, I earn more. I'm the, like, I'm the primary breadwinner here. Um, but more and more women in the U.S., I know, because I looked at this stat not too long ago, more and more women are the primary breadwinners in their family. It's almost 40% now where the woman does take home more money than the man. So if it's becoming increasingly common, it's, I'm hoping that's short on the heels of that, that it should be more socially acceptable than clearly it is. If women are doing it, you know, to basically protect their their man's image of himself, their husband or their boyfriend's image of himself, um, then clearly it's not socially acceptable for women to be making more money. So I'm hoping as things change, as we hope that they do, that this is one of those things that changes right along with it. If my future husband's listening, I will never understand myself. Sorry, not happening. No, that's good. <laughs> And segment four, this one um, is all about cover letters. So I have been getting some questions about this um, where people were wondering if they can't find like the head office address um, or they can't find the name of the HR manager that they're supposed to address their cover letter to, um, what, what should they do? So I'll let you take that, Melissa, since you receive these cover letters and you read them, what would you like to see? So I, so I mean, some people think that it doesn't matter. And I mean, all in all reality, like it doesn't matter, but it just shows that you're going the extra mile and you're really customizing your cover letter and your resume to the job. So what I would do up at the top, I'd put in the company name and then I'd use a generic salutation. So my go-to is usually to whom it may concern. I never go with Miss or Mister or anything like that. My go-to is always to whom it may concern. Yes, please no sir and madam. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't like that. I find that a lot. So I also manage the generic, um, like the generic orc at orc.ca email. So that's pretty much where all of our resumes come to if they don't have a connection already at the company. And like seven times out of 10, people are always addressing the cover letter as sir. Dear sir. It's never dear sir, madam. It's always dear sir. And that really irks me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's definitely helpful because I know it can be, like as much sometimes as much as you google and search and look like sometimes you just can't find out who's necessarily hiring for that position um so that's good thanks melissa you're welcome <laughs> all right i think that is it for us today um i know i'm on to something else here like right now i'm late <laughs> actually now that's all right um and i'm sure you've got plenty to do so we should probably just wrap this wrap up um so thanks so much for listening everyone uh your support means the world to us we, it really does we've not been neglecting you on purpose i promise we we love you and we want to be here producing this for you and hopefully now that falls here we will be back into a more regular routine um if 
we also love hearing from you. So um, please, you can email us anytime at kickglasspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us in the Kick Glass Career Women Facebook group. Um, go to the group. You can see pictures of my new office there. Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash kickglass. Go kick some glass.